This episode includes depictions of graphic violence, body horror, addiction, dementia, and suicidal ideation. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Please note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any one story of Silenus. Today's episode combines features from a number of Greek, Roman, and Dionysian legends for dramatic effect. Hello everyone, I'm Vanessa Richardson, and welcome to Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. This week, we share a drink with the alcohol-fueled creatures of our nightmares. These beastly beings represent the dark side of their society's wildest parties. We begin with Silenus. He's the foster father of Dionysus, the Greek god of wine, and he may seem like he's just along for the party, but his paternal benevolence hides dark secrets. Ugly truths so awful, they can steal your will to live. This is Mythical Monsters Hard Drinking Horrors. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up, a kidnapping scheme goes fatally awry. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Silenus is often called the father of the satyrs, and a typical satyr is a drunken, lustful young man with the lower body of a goat. Silenus, however, is heavyset and balding. He's sometimes depicted with the lower half of a horse rather than a goat. And he's remarkably well-behaved for his species. There are no tales of him abducting women or spying on bathing nymphs. What makes him frightening is his adopted son, Dionysus. Dionysus is the god of both wine and madness. While we now view him as part of the Greek pantheon, he also has roots in Anatolia, or modern-day Turkey. He was born when Hera, the wife of Zeus, tricked his mortal mother, Semele, into asking to see the king of the gods in all his divine splendor. The sight burned her away, leaving the infant Dionysus behind. Zeus sewed his son into his own thigh so that he might be carried to term. Then he handed the boy off to Silenus, after which the pair were inseparable. When Dionysus built his own cult, Silenus led the satyrs that followed him. 
Dionysus is a strange god. While many of his counterparts demand orderly sacrifices, he favors the ecstatic release that only alcohol can bring. The wine-drunk women who follow him, known as the Bacchae, are famous for their uncontrollable sexuality and violence. This makes Silenus sound like a soft touch with a dangerous force behind him. But don't be taken in by Silenus's patient and jovial manner. His honest words are far deadlier than Dionysus's magic ones. The god of wine can destroy a city by sowing chaos, but Silenus can destroy a mind with only the truth. King Midas was hunting. It was a rare occurrence. He much preferred staying in his palace in Phrygia, admiring his coins, jewels, and treasures. But he'd been told that a very rare game had entered his woods. The foster father of a god, Silenus, guardian of Dionysus. Dionysus was a new deity, but he was powerful. While some gods were content with temple sacrifices, Dionysus's growing ranks roamed the countryside with him, throwing an endless and sometimes deadly party. Midas didn't particularly see the value in Dionysus's area of expertise. Wine was nice, but it dulled the mind. Drama and dance were rarely good enough to sit through, and he would never understand the worth of chaos and madness. But Midas did see Silenus's value. The god's foster father was said to know the secrets of the universe. Midas had untold riches and unchecked power, yet he still faced one great injustice, inconvenience. He had to wait for seasons to change. He was troubled by the aches and pains of age. In short, he suffered, and he did not deserve to. But Silenus might hold the key, knowledge of how to bring an end to Midas's suffering forever. He just had to win Dionysus's favor and then have him order Silenus to tell Midas all. While Dionysus's other followers danced through the woods, the drunken Silenus had to be tied to a donkey. He moved at a glacial pace compared to the other revelers. Midas only needed to separate him from the pack, then pretend to rescue the poor old man from cruel abandonment. The old satyr's gray-white curls and long horsetail bounced as he wobbled on top of his stumbling donkey. His center of gravity seemed to change with each oscillation of his round belly. He half groaned, half sang as he moved alone through the wood. Midas approached cautiously with two of his most loyal servants. He'd made sure they had no weapons. If this was going to work, it needed to look like a rescue, not a kidnapping. Midas gave his men the signal. His servant darted forward and cut the rope that bound Silenus in his saddle, then dashed back into the woods. The satyr teetered to the side. He barely registered what was happening before he toppled. Midas stepped in to catch him, pretending to be surprised. Oh my, my friend, are you all right? Silenus groaned. Nothing that more wine won't fix. He winced and blinked in the sun. Where is my son? 
he asked. Midas feigned concern. Do not worry, my friend. You need only rest while we find him. Silenus slurred his speech as the servants began hoisting him onto Midas's horse. The king smiled. He was home free. But then a horrible sound floated through the woods, a peal of laughter that became two, then five, then seven. <laughs> Midas's smile faded. His men looked to him in alarm. It was the Bacchae, Dionysus's most frightening followers. They were wild-haired women with red, red lips and blood under their fingernails. They danced through the trees like revelers at a party, but they killed men on sight. Midas eyed the silhouettes moving between the trees. Then he made his decision. He leapt onto his horse and turned the steed abruptly to the side, knocking his panicking servants to the ground. Then he galloped away with Silenus, closing his ears to his men's cries for help. He thought he'd ridden far enough to escape their pleas, but then the screaming began and the squelching. Flesh rent from flesh as the women raised their voices in praise of Dionysus. Midas tried to look stoic as he rode on with Silenus bent in front of him. He swore he heard the old man speak once or twice, but what Midas thought he'd said didn't make sense. <laughs> Good as gold you are, my boy. <laughs> Good as gold. Coming up, Midas gets more than he asked for. I'm Sarah Turney, host of Disappearances, a Spotify original from Parcast. In 2020, I used social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades long disappearance. Now I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear and finding that the truth may be even harder to locate than the person. Who forced a famed explorer to lose his way? What did a missing Hollywood starlet leave behind? And how could the heiress to a Chicago candy fortune just vanish? Every Thursday on Disappearances, join me for a deeper look into history's most gripping missing persons cases tracking timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the actual truth. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Disappearances. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. Oh, my God. 
Midas brought Silenus back to his rose garden and ensured he was cared for with all the honor and duty owed to a guest, while he waited for Dionysus to come find the old creature and give him his reward, which he was more eager for than ever after sacrificing two of his men to the Bacchae for the prize. But Dionysus was taking so long, it had been ten days. The old man was pleasant company, at least. He had a warm, booming laugh that made Midas want to laugh, too. And Silenus adored Midas's eight-year-old daughter, Marigold. He even let her sit on his lap and tug on his horsetail when they played. Her happy giggles filled the garden. <laughs> Midas spoke to Silenus soothingly as he poured him another drink. It is hard being a parent, my friend. I want Mary to never know a difficult day. Midas tried to not look too eager. How do we escape suffering? Silenus sighed. Uh, you do not want this, Midas. Midas played coy. I'm only thinking of Mary. Silenus turned his head, really looking at Midas for the first time. You are thinking of yourself, and there will only be harm in the end. Midas opened his mouth to protest. Silenus's eyes narrowed. You seem to struggle with no. Would you like me to educate you? Midas stood from his chair. He wasn't going to be insulted in his own palace, demigod or no. But before he could call his guards, a strange rustling filled the palace. Midas froze. Ivy and grapevines twisted and grew, flooding out of the palace entrance and into the orderly rose garden. The vines wrapped around the trees, fountains, and every single one of Midas's men. He was defenseless. Then came the Bacchae. They danced and sang, rejoicing and calling Dionysus's name. They paused just before Midas, their arms aloft. He shivered at the memory of his guard's screams. He prayed that they didn't recognize him. A clear, strong voice echoed from the depths of the palace. Where is my father? Bring him to me. It could only be one person, the one Midas had waited for. Marigold clung to his robes. Papa, what is happening? Midas glanced at Silenus. The satyr was staring at the entrance to the rose garden, a proud smile on his face. Midas quivered as his palace shook on its foundations. Father, father, where are you? Midas drew Marigold behind him as Dionysus appeared and rushed to Silenus. They spoke in quick, quiet whispers. Are you all right? Midas craned to hear Silenus's response, but it was inaudible. He cursed his temper. What was he thinking, growing angry at the satyr? He only hoped the old man would remember his fine treatment as a guest. Silenus pulled Dionysus into a paternal embrace. The god relaxed visibly against him. Dionysus pointed at Midas's daughter, who was still clinging to her father's robes. Marigold, is it? She nodded, awestruck by the light that radiated from him. Silenus smiled indulgently. 
Off you go, little one. The adults are talking. The little girl obliged, scampering off into the palace. Midas swallowed. This was either very good or very bad. Dionysus threw his arms wide, gesturing to the backy. Let us thank the king, my friends, for saving our beloved father. Two of the women rushed forward with a large wineskin. Dionysus took a long drink. The deep red liquid dribbled down his chin. He passed it to Silenus, whose draw was even longer. Silenus finished and belched. The backy applauded. <laughs> Dionysus offered the wineskin to Midas. Drink, good king and good host. My father has told me of your hospitality. I have a gift to give you. The thought of drinking an immortal's wine seemed like a terrible idea, but the promise of a gift excited Midas. He took a deep breath and sipped. Warmth filled his throat and settled in his belly. The wine had a pleasant, fruity fizz with an almost metallic finish. This must have been what being a god felt like. No wonder these women followed Dionysus wherever he went. Midas was ready to chase this sensation into the wine-dark sea. What a kind gift, my lord. <laughs> when Dionysus laughed, his whole retinue roared with him, all but Silenus. Silenus just stared at Midas, studying him. Dionysus made another grand gesture. Ah, but you have not yet received it. I am in your debt, Midas. I offer you a boon, anything that is within my considerable talent. Midas wasn't sure if he was dizzy with wine or with power. He was being offered anything. This should require some thought, but he was a triumphant king, the newest god's darling. How could he have been worried about avoiding suffering? He wasn't suffering now. He was, as Silenus had said, good as... Then Midas had his wish. I would like everything I touch to turn to gold. Dionysus applauded, so did the Bacchae, and it even sounded like the leaves did too, but not Silenus. It frightened Midas, though he couldn't explain why, but Dionysus was speaking. Midas forced himself to focus through the pleasant haze of the wine as the gods said, our friend Midas is very wise. He already has great power and wealth in coins and jewels, but if gold is what he desires, gold he shall receive. Dionysus placed his arm around Midas's shoulders. Then he ruffled his hair. The lovely buzzing in Midas's head became the most beautiful music he'd ever heard. He felt full of Dionysus's light, utterly blessed. But then the god released him. Midas felt the loss of his divine touch immediately. He missed it. Still, he felt that wonderful buzzing in his fingers. Dionysus clapped again. Come now all, let us let our friend enjoy his prize. 
the garden emptied, leaving only Midas, Dionysus, Silenus, and Midas's very bewildered guards. Dionysus gave Midas a little wave, then he placed his arm around Silenus. Midas blinked. Father and son were gone. Midas had done it. He'd really done it. How could he have doubted himself? He hiccuped as he pondered what he should touch first. After much deliberation, he leaned forward and brought his finger to the great marble fountain at the center of his garden. A small bit of glittering yellow appeared on the stone beneath his finger. It flowed outward like glistening oil. The fountain turned to gold. Midas sat back down where he and Silenus had been talking to admire his handiwork. He took an apple from a platter. He shined it on his shirt absentmindedly as he gaped at his new fountain. He brought the apple to his lips and bit down. But it had already turned to gold. Well, this was a puzzle. He picked up a cloth to grab the next apple, but the cloth turned to gold too. It fell to the grass with a quiet thunk. Midas felt a shiver run up his spine. There had to be a solution for this. Maybe he could be one of those pampered kings who was fed by his servants. He just had to make sure it was only his skin that could transform things and nothing else. He was going to look silly investigating this, so he ordered the guards back into the palace. They marched away, leaving him alone. Midas leaned over the feast, careful to keep his nose, cheeks, and even lips away from the food. One large grape extended out from the bunch. He brought his lips around the grape without touching it to his teeth. He smiled, proud of himself. Then he swallowed. He coughed and sputtered as a gold nugget dropped into his stomach. This was not good. He would starve, wasting away from his own greed. He lowered his head to pray. Oh, Dionysus, hear my plea. I do not reject your gift. I only regret my foolishness. Restore me. He grabbed a grape. It turned to gold. He pleaded, Oh, Dionysus, forgive me. I will devote my whole nation to you. He grabbed another grape, gold again. Panic rose within him. He was cursed. He heard a familiar laugh behind him. For a moment, he thought he saw Silenus's gray tail out of the corner of his eye. But when he whipped around, there was nothing there. Coming up, Midas meets the true Dionysian monster. Now back to the story. A gauzy film coated Midas's bone-dry tongue. It had only been a few hours since he'd begun his futile attempts to escape the curse he'd unwittingly put on himself. Everything that passed through his lips turned to gold. Tears filled his eyes. He was going to starve, surrounded by food, die of thirst beside a bubbling golden fountain. 
His country would fall to ruin. He had no successor, no advisor, no regent he trusted. Marigold was far too young to even begin to learn to run a country. Marigold, he could never hold his daughter again. Papa? Her small voice echoed across the garden. Papa, you're crying. She ran towards him, intent on comforting her father. Midas called her name. He held out his hands, trying to tell her to stop. Mary, no, Mary. It was too late. It started at her hands. She was pressed against him, her cheek against his clothes. The cruel yellow sheen crept up his daughter's arms. Papa, what's happening? Midas's voice was tight. I'm sorry, Mary. I'm so sorry. The gold flowed up her forearms and into the folds of her robes. He saw it edge over her shoulders. Mary, I love you so much. I'll save you from this, I promise. Dionysus will bring you back to me. He must bring you back. Her lip quivered. Papa, no, Papa. A great stillness fell over the garden. The only sound was Midas's ragged sobs. Dionysus, please, God of gods, greater than all, I beg you, I beg you. Midas was being watched. He could feel it. He turned around slowly. There, beside one of the golden statues, was Silenus. He was smiling. A growl came from deep within Midas. He tried to pull himself out of his daughter's metallic embrace, but he could not. He grabbed fruitlessly at the air. Come here, you useless old man. I'll turn you to gold, too. Silenus's laugh got louder and louder, echoing around the garden walls. He walked up to the feast table and took a grape. He tossed it into his mouth, crunching down on it with a wet squish. Juice dribbled down his chin. At least you're being honest now, not like your little rescue plan. Midas spat at him. Punish me, not my child. Tell me how to end her suffering. Silenus looked over at Marigold's frozen frame. It is over, Midas. That is the secret. She does not suffer anymore. She is dead. It was finally sinking in. Midas's chest tightened as if he himself was turning to the cursed metal. No, no, this can't be. I've learned my lesson. I've learned. Silenus only blinked at him, unmoved. Tears streamed from Midas's red eyes. Why? Why did you do this? Silenus sighed and took a sip of wine. It was a game at first with you. My son does love to put kings in their place. I watched you for a while on his behalf. I was ready to tell him you were no threat, just a frivolous money grubber. But then I realized what you really wanted for yourself. Freedom from suffering, 
No matter how that freedom hurt others, there is no place for such entitlement in the world of the new god. Midas twisted against his daughter's vice-like embrace. He'd never wanted to touch someone more in his life. You know nothing of suffering. You're a demigod. Silenus drew up to his full height. I know suffering. I saw a woman burned away by her love until only her divine son remained. Many times I've tried to tell that child why his mother died, that gods and men kill for jealousy, greed, and sheer unadulterated joy. Every time wineskins come to our lips instead of words, I cannot bear to tell my son that life is pain and existence is a curse. It would be cruel, for Dionysus cannot leave it. Midas stared at him. So none of us should exist, or we should kill ourselves? That's the secret to escape suffering? Silenus leaned against the table again, studying his cup of wine. There is one other way. I don't think you'll like it, though. Midas squinted. Try me. Silenus took another swig. We stay by making the world worth staying. We drink and make merry. We put on plays and dance. We revel in our escapes and in each other. Can you do that, Midas? I can try, Midas stammered. Silenus laughed one more time. No, I don't think you can. A man who has so much already and kills for just a little more cannot find true joy. Have a nice death, my king. May you truly know suffering. Silenus turned his back on King Midas. The king, shattered, sobbed at what he'd become, what he'd done. He put his head in his hands. The last thing he felt was the cool, hard sensation of gold spreading along his tear-stained cheeks. His palace went quiet, a tomb filled with cursed treasures. In time, no one remembered him at all. All that remained was a storied sculpture garden with two very famous pieces, a scared little girl frozen in time, and the father whose greed put her there. The figures of Greek and Roman myths rarely represent only one thing, but Silenus is particularly liminal. He falls into several different folkloric tropes, from the truth-telling wild man of the woods, like Tarzan, to the helpful mentor, a la Obi-Wan Kenobi. But Silenus's most interesting aspect is how these personas combine. Silenus's wisdom is particularly powerful and very, very disturbing. 
In a first-century text attributed to Plutarch, the writer quotes a story told by Aristotle. It was said that during his time entertaining the drunken Silenus, King Midas pushed the satyr to tell him something no human would know. Silenus rebuffed Midas repeatedly, but finally gave in. The best version of the human experience, he said, is to never be born at all. The second best is to die as soon as possible. This belief, known as antinatalism, asks a question that will be familiar to anyone suffering from depression or suicidal ideation. Why continue to live when there is so much suffering? What joy can overcome this knowledge? If you're Dionysus and Salinas, there's plenty. There's wine, dance, theater, and wildness. In Anne Carson's translation of Euripides' play Bacchae, a herdsman says that Dionysus is important because he gave the gift of wine to men. Without wine, he says, we've no freedom from pain. Some have argued that the inevitability of human suffering is why we drink, why we party, and why we make art. But all of these sensations are ephemeral and fleeting. One can only maintain them for so long before needing another hit, and the line between valuable self-care and self-destructive addiction can be very, very fine. Cross it, and you may find that though the world glitters like gold, it's hard and unforgiving as steel. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with another hard-drinking horror. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jen Rache, with writing assistance by Molly Quinlan and Nora Battelle, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 